Scanning. Identity authorized. Welcome to the Secret Superhero Club Podcast Network. Welcome to the Animation Station Podcast, episode 102. My name is Josh, and joining me today, I have the extremely talented voice actor, Michelle Rojas. How you doing, Michelle? Hi, doing well. How are you? Pretty good. Now, first off, Michelle, can you tell our wonderful audience um, what you do for a living? Uh, I am a voice actor, and some other times I work in production, and I've just kind of been uh, all over the place, honestly. <laughs> so, um, I, I said at the beginning, I'm not going to ask you those, you know, same questions, but I am going to ask you those same questions. Um, so, what made you want to get into voice acting? Um, voice acting, I actually kind of went into because I was doing a lot of different kinds of work at the time, uh, because I needed stuff that was flexible for me, mm-hmm. um, because I was taking care of two different families <laughs> and it was really hectic. And, uh, I got to a place in my life at that time where I wasn't doing anything artistically. Um, I've always done a lot of you know, performing arts, so a lot of music, so, um, you know, playing instruments, singing, um, and acting, and uh, I just didn't have any of those things in my life, so I was like, I really need to start doing something, or else I'm going to go crazy, you know? (laughs) Um, So, uh, that's when I started looking into voiceover. I had a ton of friends that did voiceover, um, so I just... I just started doing it. I was like, because the the cool thing about voiceover is that unlike theater acting, which is what I was used to doing before, um, it takes a lot less time. Um, You don't have to commit to a a bunch of uh, shows every night um, and a bunch of practice. And so it allowed me to like stay in the situation uh, that I had going on, but I was able to act at the same time. So that's why, uh, I started doing voiceover specifically. Um, so and, uh, was, yeah, I guess was, it's was that. that. Was that a hard going from something f- like as like the theater background into something that is primarily just voice? Um, it's from theater. I, it, I don't think it's as big of a transition as from like film because with theater, uh, you know, when you're acting out to an audience, that audience may not be right there in front of you, you know, like everything kind of still has to be, uh, large. There's still a lot of voice involved because you have to act to a crowd. Um, so in, in that aspect, uh, because because in voiceover, everything is put on the voice. Like, they can't see your body. Mm-hmm. They can't see what you're doing. Um, uh, in anime specifically, uh, the characters are, you know, animated just sort of like uh, uh, a lot of times it's just lip flaps moving. Um, so really all of that has to go into your voice instead of what you could show otherwise with your body. So there is that element where you have to have to focus on that. So you've done uh, you've done voice acting for anime and you've done um, voice acting for video games. Mm-hmm. Um, which which do you prefer? I mean, I because I know like a lot of the things like when you go like for, well from the interviews that we've had, um, there's a lot of people that prefer the 
anime as to the video games. Mm. Um, it's definitely, you know, each one is just such a different animal. Because what's fun about video game work is that, uh, you know, you're not dubbing to picture. That's the thing about anime that's always more restricting is because you're dubbing to picture. So even if you get a take that you really like, uh, it it may be too long, it may be too short, then you have to alter it, then you have to kind of, a lot of times you have to crunch things in uh, to fit, um, just because a lot of times our language tends to, English tends to be longer than Japanese for a lot of things. Um, so, so in that way it is, it, it can be constricting, whereas uh, voiceover for video games, um, although if you're going from a, Japanese video game again dubbing over into English sometimes you also still have those constrictions um, but usually it's at least not as constricting uh, you usually just kind of match about the length of the the original audio file but it doesn't have to be exact um, and then when you're recording for uh, the first time just your, your own thing uh, you can do whatever you want with it you can do the read however you really feel like you want to do that read so in that way video games are are a lot of fun um because you can kind of do anything you want uh but anime is definitely uh it's it's fun in its own thing uh it's just different you know um being able to to go in and actually see my character <laughs> is also a really cool thing because yeah, with video games you don't usually get to see anything because you're in there first and they animate to your voice later, or whatever. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing of it. Um, so being able to actually see what's going on in the scene is really great. Um, and just being able to to see what your character physically is doing and the expressions they're making. Um, and a lot of times you can get really wacky with anime. Like, like anime is just so all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> and it, which, which doesn't happen as often uh, in the video games. So it's a lot of fun. So you had a, uh, a more of that theater background um, when you, like acting wise uh, before you got mm -hmm. into voice acting. So, was that something that you had been doing for like since you were a kid like what was like was it was acting your hobby when you were little yeah mm -hmm. I started uh acting when I was uh in middle school in, in seventh grade um before that I had been uh in band I was in Which band play? since fifth grade I played clarinet um, and then later I played uh, saxophone for jazz band. Nice. And uh, I tried the enti that entire time I tried to move to oboe and they wouldn't let me do it because I was first chair clarinet. And they're like, no, you can't, we can't like we let can't, lose you. Chairs, they yeah. And I was like, I mean, I don't, but I want to play a different instrument. And, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I played, so I played clarinet the entire time and then also added on saxophone in high school but um uh yeah so I, so I did those and um 
it was actually my uh, English teacher at the time was also a, a drama teacher at the community theater, and she's the one that got me into theater uh, when I was in middle school. So then from then on, I started doing theater, um, and I, I continued to do it in college. Um, so, yeah, like that was that was just one of the... <laughs> One of the many, I did so many extracurriculars. <laughs> I, I don't even know how I used to manage all of that. Yeah, see, it's one of those, like, I wish our school would have had more of the extracurriculars than they did. Like, we had choir and basketball, and if you were on the basketball team, you were more than likely also on the choir team, like, on mm-hmm. choir, because they, it was a really small little private school that I mm-hmm. went to. So, it yeah, they there wasn't a lot of everything um mm-hmm. when they did have any sort of drama production it was like everybody goes for it because it's not anything that we get all the time yeah um not until you know like we i got into doing like other stuff like, like community type stuff that's when you know i was able to spread my wings but I mean, yeah i wish we would have had anything like that like a band no we couldn't like, <laughs> yeah you don't have the students for it yeah <laughs> we barely had the band and <laughs> we were a fairly large school so hey, at least you had chairs in your band we didn't even have chairs nor bands, mm. nor instruments yeah um so what type of uh so uh, you were in like uh, i i take it like the drama department yes mm-hmm. yeah so i also of... did oh, that sorry, no 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 go ahead. yeah it's fine so so what type of things would you would you do in your drama um like, do you have any like anything that you remember performing? Uh, let me see. One time, I actually played a man in one of our plays. Nice. Um, yeah, and I was like, it. It was uh, our our teacher at first was like, I don't know if I want to do that, but then she she ended up going for it um, because what I had done, like, I had auditioned for uh she was letting us audition for um two or three i think three different characters Mm -hmm. and i had done monologues uh for two female characters but then i also did a monologue for this character and um i mean obviously i did not expect to be cast as that one um i was just doing it because we needed to do three um and uh, all the other characters were just, like, not really uh, uh, ones that I felt confident about. Um, but, like, the monologue for, for him, like, I was like, oh, I really I really get this. Um, and apparently I, I really did get that. And so she was like, you were just, you were the best one for that one. And so she just went ahead and did it. Um, so that's probably the only, <laughs> the only cool thing about uh, my my high school drama uh, campaign was that I played a dude um, in in a theater show. So that was that was pretty cool. Uh, I had to wear like um, I had to wear a fake beard and everything, so I had to have the spirit gum on my face, and nice. it was it was awful. I hate spirit gum; it's the worst. Um, <laughs> never again. Uh, <laughs> Well, I, yeah. was, I was kind of the opposite. Like, there was a role, and they were like, it's like, in our class, we had, like, we had seven boys and two girls. So if there was three mm. girl roles, it's like, well, some guy's got to do it. 
So I was like, okay, cool. I want, I always wanted those. I was like, I'll shave my legs. What, what do you want me to do? Like, I'll do whatever. Just put me in a dress. I'll do it. It'll be fine. <laughs> I'll rock it. And I never got those rolls. So I was like, oh, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it was definitely a lot of fun. It was, it was definitely like something that not everybody gets to do. So when did it really click for you? Like you wanted to be an actor? Was it, was it back in, uh, like back in like high school and all those, or was it not, or wasn't until you got to college? Um, it definitely, I never really, uh, saw myself going in a, uh, like a professional career as an actor, like keeping it as as a hobby and as something um, I would continue to do otherwise, uh, definitely. But I had never really thought about like, oh, I'll make a career of being an actor. Um, I was a lot more focused on music. Um, so yeah, I was I was a lot more focused on on music in general. Uh, and so that was kind of what I was. I was going for um uh I was I was going to music school and unfortunately I had to change um because family stuff uh so I could be with them more mm-hmm. but uh yeah really like the focus was kind of just going into music careers uh like I um I learned recording uh, uh engineering uh, audio engineering and just all sorts of music production and I was very focused on uh, vocal performance and um, all of that stuff so the acting stuff really didn't uh, start happening for me until uh, I was in that situation where I was like I need to be doing something but uh, pretty much anything musically I could be doing would take so much time so that's why again I kind of went into the voiceover stuff and it just sort of grew from there because at that point you know it was on my mind to start doing this professionally um uh just because it hadn't I hadn't really thought about it before but then at that time I was like maybe I can do this professionally uh because it's something that works better with my family situation than than anything musically was. Uh, so yeah, so it was it was around then, and that was yeah, that was in college. Okay. So did um, like were you a big fan of uh, not not just necessarily like anime, but like animation before before you started uh, before you became a voice actor? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, anime, uh, cartoons, video games, like the whole gamut of things, uh, and just nerd culture, you know. Um, yeah, just all of that. Huge, huge fan. Uh, do you have any have any favorites? Well, we'll do we'll do this. We'll uh, we'll do a two parter. Like, do you have any favorites when you were growing up, and do you have any favorites now? Um. Like Man, maybe, it's... maybe growing up, like I remember growing up, like I was like super big into, uh, uh, like if we're talking to anime, like Digimon and Pokemon, and now it's like, well, my obviously I've matured a bit, so I've, um, like my tastes have changed. Like I'm not still watching the new adventures of Winnie the Pooh on you know ABC on Saturday mornings, mm-hmm. mainly because they took it off, or else I would. But yeah, <laughs> so I mean, yeah, it's like something like that, like something that you remember watching when you were a kid that you know really hooked you and then what you're you know how you're 
you know, senses have changed and, you know, kind of what you're into now. What's interesting about that is that uh, my tastes really haven't changed. And um, I've maintained uh, <laughs> the Macross series as one of my absolute favorite uh, series since I was in kindergarten, like since I was a little kid. I don't know why I liked it so much when I was a little kid. I can't explain it. Don't like I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, I don't. I don't know why I was like five years old and watching a space opera and like loving every moment of it. Because also, if you've ever watched Macross, I'm talking the old, I'm like the old I'm talking Macross. SDF. Yeah, um, not the new stuff that the kids are into these days. Um, like I, I honestly don't know how that. Well, I guess when I when I was a kid, like things would hold my attention. Like my attention span, I guess, was really good. Um, so like even stuff that's kind of like long and drawn out and like war torn stuff. I loved it. Like I always loved Gundam series, Mm -hmm. but same thing. Like when I was a little kid, I'm just watching like a show where like not a whole lot's happening and they're just like talking about war stuff. And I'm just like, this is great. You know, (laughs) I don't know. Um, I guess it's kind of weird, but, uh, Oh, no, it's not yeah, weird. Like, like <laughs> I'm right there with you. Like, I remember when they when they uh, first like when Toonami started like really kicking off, and mm-hmm. like just because like it was all new, it was completely different from any of the like Disney Channel, Nickelodeon, Cartoon Network stuff that we had at the time. So it was mm-hmm. like, oh well, I'm gonna watch this. And like, I remember watching like me and my friends, which is bananas now because uh, i'm sure we would have got made fun of but like watching sailor moon and she'd be like mm-hmm. oh my gosh she totally transformed i don't even know how you would do that um and just like watching all of these type of things but yeah like like your outlaw stars and stuff that is like even like when we got it was dated but mm-hmm. even like just watching it, you're like it still looks great it's still i'm still gonna watch this like when they started bringing like all those old gundams over and mm-hmm. bringing in like robotech and stuff like that like so stuff mm-hmm. from the 80s that we're getting in like the 2000s and you're just sitting there watching it and you're like yeah i like this show it's good yeah yeah like i just um well uh i kind of like giant robots in general and i've always been drawn to like really like sci-fi stuff um so that probably contributed to that too because like Ghost in the Shell is like one of my big favorites. Evangelion's one of my big favorites. Mm-hmm. Um and so it stuff that just has like a lot of technology in it. Um I've I've always been drawn to stuff like that. And that and that's just the same for me now. Although I think that I watch a like a ton of comedies now too though. So like I love um Umaru-chan. I love like really uh like i guess lighthearted comedies now and that's kind of something i've added on to so like my love story um just uh uh i've grown in that way which is a weird way to grow maybe but (laughs) i just enjoy stuff like that more and it's probably because you know after you've been working all day like at a point you just kind of want to watch something that doesn't take a lot of thought and it's just kind of like a fun thing and maybe not necessarily a war-torn drama 
<laughs> yeah, you, you don't want to go record a war-torn drama and then go and watch the war-torn drama because then you're like, the world is pitiful. Mm-hmm. There's nothing left. Yeah, it's just like a lot, like a lot to, like one time I tried to, I was binging uh, Breaking Bad, like mm-hmm. after it had all co- came out, I had never saw it and I was just watching episodes and episodes. There were days I was just like, I can't, I can't watch any more Breaking Bad. It's just like too much. At a time, I need to watch something else. Um, yeah, it, oh God, it's it's a rough <laughs> for sure. So, yeah. um, so you were uh, really big in the music. That's what you had uh, originally wanted to do. Like, do you? Ha- mm-hmm. What are some of your biggest musical influences? Musical influences. Um, Which yeah. again is like a vague question. Like, what's what's some of what are some of your favorite genres? Oh, okay. Um, I I tend to like uh strangely even though I'm really big into singing it's <laughs> uh I'm really into non-vocal music uh of all types so like if if it's um like a classical instrumentals or piano or like incredibly electronic music um EDM mm-hmm. like yeah. I I just love instrumental stuff uh in general, that's probably my favorite. Um, but then vocally, a lot of the music that, it, at least my most favorite artists, uh, are usually Japanese artists, uh, like Supercell and Claris. Um, but, uh, yeah. As- aside from that, it's kind of like a lot of show tunes. <laughs> <laughs> and like, Idina Menzel and like, just you know it's it's kind of like i always feel like my tastes are so very divided so it's like i could be listening to like very experimental <laughs> like uh uh almost like noisish sounding music i guess and then i like and then it's just like disney songs and broadway and you know like <laughs> yeah my, my on shuffle, my shuffle list yeah my yeah. shuffle's awful <laughs> Like, I wouldn't recommend anybody listen to it. Because, like, it, like I, I'm right there with you with the EDM. Like, that's why I love K-pop. Because we've kind of gone away from it in, like, the U.S. charts. But, like, mm-hmm. in K-pop, they're like, nah. All of our all of our stuff is just purely EDM. Here you go. Yeah. And so that's mm-hmm. why I, I just love that stuff. And then, like, it's one of those where, like, it reminds me of the good old days. <laughs> yeah, Korean music is, like, is... I really like the direction that it's going. Um just it's because when i listen to the radio here now it it, it's so hard for me to find something that i actually like listening to i feel like american music's getting kind of in a weird place um and it doesn't help it doesn't help that they play the same thing over and over and over again mm -hmm. that kind of that kind of snakes like for whatever reason at least here in oklahoma like they are stuck on that one ed sheeran song and like Mm -hmm. whenever you turn it on it's just like uh I can't even remember, like, mm-hmm. something on, like, Barefoot on the Grass or whatever, however it goes. And I'm just, like, sitting there, and I'm like, yeah, Barefoot on the Grass, yeah, I know, I got it. I mean, I'll, I'll change it to the next channel, Barefoot on the Grass. I'm like, okay. okay yeah, nice. it's everywhere. Stuck. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. And the other thing, like, uh, so, so weird. In the, like, in our country, we have that, like, battle of who is the loudest, like, everything. Mm-hmm. Production-wise, is made to be very loud. Um, 
it's just it's all compressed to just as much as they can to get it as loud as they can because I guess that gets more attention on the radio. Uh, it's it morphed out of some weird reason, um, but uh, other countries, you know, don't they don't do that. Um, so I think just as we get louder and louder and louder and just sort of more noisy in in our music, uh, and then everybody else stays the same, it's like easier to listen to uh, songs that are coming out of other countries now, just because it's not. It's it's not like <laughs> you know assaulting your ears <laughs> when you listen to it for a little while because it can be tiring to listen to American music just because of the way that they produce it. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Sorry, my phone just I had my phone up here looking at, looking <laughs> at stuff and it just decided it wanted to go to sleep. Don't yeah, do that. wake up. Um, okay. So going into your voice acting, um, you've done, like, I, I think probably the first role that I really was, like, into you with was uh, Toka in da uh, Data Live. Mm, like, that mm -hmm. was my first one where I was like, okay, I got you. I'll remember this name. Um, it's like I whenever I would see, you know, Michelle Rojas, I'd be like, oh, I know. I know exactly who that is. <laughs> uh, was, there, was there a moment for you when you knew that – Hey, I can I can do this voice acting thing. This is this is what I'm gonna do from now on. Was was there a moment that kind of like clicked for you? Um, man, uh, I don't know that there was ever like a moment. Like everything for for me anyway. Like there was there was never a like a single role or anything mm -hmm. that sort of. Uh, got me a whole lot of attention suddenly or anything, you know, you know, like that, um, that I feel like maybe some other actors get where it's just like, Oh, they're, they're doing things, whatever part here, part here. And then they suddenly get like a really big one. Yeah. Um, you know, so, uh, I don't feel like that's probably just not happening to me yet. Like I wouldn't, uh, uh, say that like, uh, to I love Toka and, uh, people definitely know me for her, the most um and it's like it's such a popular show and it's getting another season it's getting um, yeah it's getting oh, another man. season um so, so i mean it's still going uh, it definitely has its fans um but you know it's not like uh like i feel like you know kind of like how briner kind of has like my hero was yeah. his big thing, and then suddenly, you know, everybody knew who Briner was, and like, so I've I've never really had like a huge moment like that. Um, so everything's kind of just been gradual for me over time. Where like in the beginning, you know, I was I was kind of doing it um, as a way to to be creative, you know. Um, but I guess just as I kept booking things, it was kind of like oh, like I'm. I'm still booking things and I'm still working and, uh, and I'm getting more work. So it was kind of a more like a, like a gradual, uh, ramp up to being like, Oh, I guess I can, this is like a viable option, you know? Um, so it definitely wasn't like a, a single moment, but people definitely do know me for Toka like the most. And I think it is, uh, has a lot to do with um she was my first lead and um what's weird what's weird about toka 
or or that uh, I booked Toka was that was so early. It was so early on when I was when I had just started working with Funimation. Um, she was one of the she was like one of the first things I booked, and I so I was really surprised that I had gotten a lead that quickly at the time. Um, and so, cause back then, you know, we, we always auditioned. Um, so, and what was interesting about her is that I, what I wasn't on the, the day live audition list, um, at all. Like I, I wasn't on that list, uh, because I was so new and, and the director for it didn't really know me. Um, he had uh, worked with me previously, though. Um, so I did I did work with him a little bit, but he wasn't that familiar with me. Um, and uh, there were I was in there, and I talked to the talent coordinator. I was like, "Hey, is it okay if I read for this show? Just if you have any." open slots like I was like I don't want to cause any trouble but if there is time like if I could be put on that list she's like yeah whatever and so she did she put me on the list I guess there was an opening and uh, I went and I read for it and I read for token not thinking I would get her uh, okay. I actually thought I was going to get another character but I had read for her and then they booked me on it, and they were like, "Oh, you got, you got the lead. You got Toka." And I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> like the I was like at it because cause also again I was just I was so new I didn't think I would book a lead, um, so that was that was really shocking because uh, firstly I wasn't on that audition list, and then I booked the lead, so uh, it was it was that was kind of a wild time, um. But she's she's been so great. Uh, like I get I get people all the time like um, that still talk about her, and that show's like not even remotely new anymore. But people continue to talk about Data Live. Um, and yeah, and that just kind of goes to show you, kids. If uh, if you want something, just put yourself on the list. Just, <laughs> just ask because if you hadn't asked about that. Then I wouldn't have been in it at all. So um, if yeah, something, and you're like, it doesn't. There's no harm in asking. Like the yeah. worst that uh, she could have said was no. Best that she said was right. yes, and you booked the lead. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't like suggest so that I talked to the talent coordinator specifically. So let me let me say that like, don't, don't go, go don't up to the director and be like, hey, be like, hey. Um. Right. Don't be like, hey, like, can I like put me on your audition list? Um, no, I, it was straight up like uh, I talked to the talent coordinator and it was totally a thing where I was just like, if if there's not time, it's fine. Like, don't go out of your way to do anything because you really shouldn't be doing that. Um, I shouldn't have been doing it, but I did. And uh <laughs> But yeah, don't don't like go up to a director and be like, "Hey, can I be in your show?" or "Hey, can I be on your auditions?" Like that's that's their own personal thing. Um, but uh, if you do talk to your talent coordinator, um, sometimes because sometimes what the talent coordinator does is they will just kind of 
pull from a list that the director may not have given them just because they have more time to to accept more auditions. Um, so some of those uh, that are on that list might just be ones that the coordinator pulled and not necessarily requested by the director. So, um, you know, if you're lucky to be in that sort of situation, which is the, the sort of situation that I got with Data Live, um, you know, then you'll get put on those auditions. But then if it hadn't been the case, like where sometimes the director can be like, no, I don't want to see anybody else or like, don't, don't fill up my time. Like, I don't, I don't want that. Um, and then you won't be able to do that because coordinator won't be able to do anything. Um, so, you know, but yeah, like, you know, it's, it really, if you are able to do something like that, I mean, you may as well. Gotcha. Now, do you have um, any, mm, trying to phrase that a good way, um, do you have any, um, actually, you know, I'm just going to skip that question because it was going to be dumb. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you also, you're also an ADR director. I have, I have uh, directed in the past. I'm not doing anything right now. Well, what, uh, what, what exactly is like? Because I mean, we we've had like voice directors on, but like, what exactly does like an ADR director do? Okay, so ADR uh, is just to specify that it's for a dub. Um, so an ADR director is just going to be whoever is directing the acting for a dub. Okay. Um, as opposed to a director that may be overseeing like the entire project or something, they they specify because you know you still have all of the original language credits, um, so it's to specify specifically, specify specifically that uh, you know it's it's for the the dub and not anything on the original crew. Um, but uh, yeah, so the ADR director is going to be the one that that directs you creatively in the booth. So it's for uh, they're going to be looking over the entire project as a whole. They're going to know everything about that project. Um, they're the ones that when you go in, uh, they tell you all about this is who your character is. This is what's going on in the show. And this is what's going on in your scene. So they're going to be your source of information for everything you need to know to make the right acting choices. Um, And so, uh, and then on top of that, you know, you could, you could be uh, doing your reads. And then um, if the director wants you go to, to do something differently with it, like uh, it's like, Oh, uh, we also need to consider that um, this other thing is going on with her family and da 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 and all the stuff. So this is like a really big thing to that character and da da. And we need this sort of emotion. Like they they can give you some of the underlying context too, um, so that because uh, because looking at like a sentence as written, you could be like, oh, this is said this way. Um, but then if you have that sort of like other context of like all of the the conflict that's happening in that character, mm-hmm. uh, that that can give you a completely different read. Um, so the the director helps lead you uh, uh, through the show that way. Okay. So um, so what what did you help direct? Um, I worked on. Uh, 
some I worked on Xenoverse, which was a game. Mm-hmm. Uh Dragon Ball Xenoverse. Um that one, whoa boy, man, Xenoverse is if you're familiar with Xenoverse, Xenoverse they go around through different dimensions and stuff. Yeah. And there, and it's like it's like the show, but then they they go to these different instances, and then something different happens. And so it was a lot of sort of like wrangling what's going on at that moment. And, um, and, I, and I imagine it's like because when <laughs> I like I, I remember playing it, and like you had like the multiple outcomes. So did you have to do like the same scene over and over and over? but just different variations of the same scene. Um, yeah, basically. But the <laughs> the thing that was so hard about that is the way that we get scripts. And the scripts are, um, like, they're, they're technically in order. But since that's, that's happening, um, you could we could be recording a, a, a scene and then it'll go to a, com- a completely different scene and then it may go back to that other scene. Um, so just the order of the scripts were not helping us out <laughs> um, because cause it was doing the same thing to us while we were recording. Like it would have us here and then we would have, it would have us go somewhere else and then it would have us go to a different place and then we're back here. Um, you know, doing the alternate of this thing. So uh, it was a lot of going, trying to identify where we are in the story, what we're doing. Um, So, uh, you know, we'd have to read through it and be like, oh, we're doing, it's this thing at this moment. Uh, Okay. Like (laughs) a lot of that. Um, uh, Yeah. And then there are some other times when, especially if we got stuff back for pickups or something where they would give us just like, they would just give us lines and not tell us where they came from. Um, so yeah. So So (laughs) I feel like, how does that work? uh, Usually when you get something, when that ends up happening, you know, we try to find it, but if we, if we can't find it, um, we usually just have to play it as generic as possible. Um, so I remember that Trunks in particular, because he is kind of like a character that's leading you around, he had a lot of lines that seemed like they were just out of nowhere, um, that were just kind of like off by themselves. And uh, so really, we would we would look at the line and just kind of like play it safe. <laughs> be like, uh, well, it seems like you're just instructing him here, so I, I think you're good to just, to just like tutorialize this, or like, it'll be like, oh, I think that they're about to go, you know, fight rabbits or something. Like, I think it's in here, but yeah, I remember Trunks being kind of the most difficult, and it was probably a com- combination of. Him having the most lines, and then also just the way we were getting, we were getting stuff from the, the game company. Um, now I, I kind of have a, que- a a little bit of a question about like those DBZ games, and I'm if you if you can't answer it, that's awesome. If you can't, don't worry about mm-hmm. it. But since Funimation like has the dub for all that DBZ, like all those DBZs, 
how mm-hmm. does like how does it work getting those games in? Does like Funimation do the dub? Like how how exactly does that or like the all the voiceover for those games? Like how exactly does that work? I've always been like curious mm. to see how that work how, how that goes down. No, uh, Funimation doesn't do the dub for those. Um, uh, Chris Sabat's studio Okratron does them. Does it? Okay. Yeah. Um, and so it's it's a completely separate thing. It's not like it's licensed through Funimation or anything. It'll it's licensed through. Uh, I think is it Bondi? Bondi. I think Bondi yeah. Bondi Namco has all of the Dragon Ball stuff. Okay. Um, so it's actually through them. And then uh, they get Okratron to do it. Um, and usually, sometimes you have, like, a conflict, like, of uh, where you can do the same voice for the same character. Um, so, for instance, like, technically, any time that we do a voiceover for Funimation, um, on our contract, we're not supposed to do, like, or play that character for any other application unless it's cleared. So like uh if somebody wanted me to like or like pay me to like do a like phone uh voicemail or something as a specific character, I can't go like, hi, I'm Koyagami, da 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 for this thing, um, and then get paid for it. Like that's not allowed. Uh so, but since since Toei is ultimately the license holder and that all of that sort of permission stuff like goes through them, um, and that's why they're able to use the same cast over on the games. Okay, because I was just wondering like how those contracts break down, like especially yeah. if you have something that has an anime associated, that has movies associated, that then has a video mm-hmm. game franchise associated. Like if to like I was I was always wondering like how that like all shake down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and so it'll it's interesting. It'll depend on you know it'll depend on whoever ultimately holds the the licenses. It, what's interesting is that somebody who holds licenses for a TV show might not also be the same license holder for a movie. Um, I know that's the case for the Data Live movie. Like the the people who are doing the TV show do not have the license for the movie. It's a different Japanese company that has the movie license. Um, so so things like that where you would think, oh, that must all be the same people, right? Like it's not. Like everything is so piecemeal. And then uh, on top of that, um, sometimes you get conflicts with uh, music rights. Yeah. So then the music too, even if it's for a specific show, might the the rights to it might be held by somebody that doesn't hold the rights to the TV show and then you have to get separate rights for those to be able to 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 use them so uh probably the easiest example of that even though it wasn't specifically made for the show was like speed grapher that used girls on film as the opening song and even though they had the permission to use it in Japan um they couldn't get permission to use it for for the English release. Uh, it was a totally different, like, uh, deal. And so they ended up using just another song from the show as the opening instead, which actually I prefer. I really like that opening. Um, so, you know, you, you get weird licensed stuff all over the place. 
have you gotten like i i will say like i i've not seen like love life sunshine or show by rock so i don't i don't really know how those you know how those work but are those ones where um they still use the japanese audio for the for the singing or have they done it with like the english audio with the the english voice actors singing that's another one of those things where it just it just depends on what what rights they can get yeah so um for show by rock uh i believe that that one uh they were able to to dub the songs um but for love live uh they uh they weren't able to get those rights um which is understandable like like love lives love live is so uh very focused on the music and uh i think that you know the japanese licensors don't don't really want there to be a conflict there where there's two tracks of a thing um when they're when they're really focused on selling like the music that they made specifically you know Mm -hmm. um so uh so yeah it just depends on what licenses they can get uh you know for for any show uh funimation specifically but really i mean any any um any publisher is gonna want to get as many rights as they can to a product that they're putting out, you know, because that just makes sense. Like, (laughs) you know, you don't want to piecemeal it if you, if you don't have to, if you can just have a whole product and just, just, you know, completely put it in English and put it out there. Like that's that's the optimal, you know, thing that can happen, but that can't always occur. Yeah. Kind of stinks. Maybe we'll get there to, to a one day that'll just be like the standard where you know if if it's getting you know anything done in english then the english uh you know voice actors get to get to do those songs because mainly Mm -hmm. the the one that like always like i always bring like brings me wow i can't talk words are hard (laughs) the one that always comes to mind is beck uh, mongolian chop squad just Mm -hmm. because that one i'm like everybody's saying in that like that was all the Mm -hmm. voice actors so that's why like it that one always comes to mind because i'm like okay i like this like to it was one of the first ones for me where like i got to hear like the english the english voice actors because mm-hmm. every everything else was always like at the time was you know it, your regular english voice actor and then you would have your japanese audio over. Mm-hmm. and it like it always it, it was kind of like a disconnect you know yeah. like, when you'll hear like I don't know, uh, just throw somebody out there, uh, Chris Patton. You'll hear your Chris Patton <laughs> just be talking, and then, like, it'll switch to, like, a Japanese singer, and you're like, wait, what? How the heck did that happen? Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, because, yeah, that's the whole thing of it, is that it can it can be jarring, especially if it's, like, an insert slide in the middle of the, the show, uh, and you have a character speaking English, and then suddenly a completely different voice is yeah. singing at you. And um, you know, luckily for uh, uh, Card Captor, um, they've been able to dub all of those songs that because they really go into the middle. Like they're just like we're in elementary school now, we're singing. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, luckily they they've been able to do that. Um, but yeah, like it's it's complete. It's it's such a weird deal where the you know the licenses are all over the place. So you gotta ask a bunch of different companies just to get like one product really together um 
So, yeah, it's definitely better to be able to dub it. And that's that's always what everybody's going to be shooting for. It's just, yeah. Yeah, yeah just like I said, maybe maybe one day it'll happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have anything that is like a personal project for you that you would love to do? Like, I'm, I'm going to give you free reign to do whatever you want. So, I mean, it could be an anime, it could be Disney, Cartoon Network, whatever it is. Like, it, I can, you can do anything animated-wise that you want. Is there something that you really want to um, do, like a star and, like, create, or anything that you would like to redo? Maybe, like, a, like maybe go back and do more Macross. Mm. That's hard, because I've never... I've actually, like, I've never really thought about, like, animation specifically um, if I wanted to, like, have a uh, an animated series or anything like that made. Um, I'm really into visual novels. I would love to um, do my own visual novels. I don't know if you know what those are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've played quite a few of them. Okay. All right. <laughs> but, a lot um, of clicking. Yeah. <laughs> um. I've I've always yeah I've always loved visual novels so those are definitely something uh, I would love to build uh, and create my own stories in that medium. Um, I've just never really thought about animation uh, uh, in that sense. Um, so and visual novels are definitely much more attainable. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so uh, I really want to get back into that whole community. I used to do a lot of different visual novel stuff. Um, and I've kind of fallen out of it, but the, you know, cause I'm doing a lot more acting now, but, uh, well, we'll yeah, I would, I would love to, it'll be fun. Yeah. I would love to, <laughs> yeah, I would, I would love to actually write my own story and I'm not a writer, obviously. <laughs> um, you know, uh, but, uh, I would, I would love to personal project wise something I would want to do. Um, and of course make, make music and, and do all of that stuff. So I'm trying to get back into doing those things so I can actually complete some personal projects that I want to do. Cause I think that's the big thing with a lot of people right now, especially a lot of the actors that I've talked to, like everybody's got personal projects that they want to work on. And with how, the the internet is now with social and everything like you can reach such a big audience and and release it to people to actually like to to actually read or view or whatever you know it is you're creating like you can actually you know give it to people pretty readily um so i know a lot a lot of actors right now want to be creating their own products instead of just working for somebody else all the time mm-hmm. that makes sense too yeah. um because you know you know at the end of the day all of this is is work and so at a point you're kind of like creatively i just want to make my own thing and do my own thing yeah. also well well let's do this we'll um we because we know we know some artists so what we'll do is we'll we'll, we'll just create a, a a visual novel we'll all get together <laughs> we'll do a nice long skype chat and we'll we'll come up with this idea for a visual novel. Yeah, we'll just do Nano Reno in one month. And... <laughs> <laughs> That'll be fine. Yeah. Yeah, people do it all the time. 
So, Michelle, is there anything um, upcoming or anything that you want to share with our um, with our audience uh, where they basically kind of where they can uh, catch some of your work? Um, right now, uh, kind of everything is is out in the world. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I still have, uh, you know, Darling and the Franks is still going on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Nana's still on there. And um uh, Car Captor Sakura Clear Car is still going, so I still have Sonomi on there, uh, Tomio's mom, and um, uh, that's pretty much all that's going on. Uh, oh wait, I guess well, Katana Maidens is happening, and I, d- I don't think I ever officially announced that I'm Yuzuki, but I'm Yuzuki in that, and she's the principal of the the girls' school. Oh nice. Um, <laughs> But uh, uh, yeah. Uh, aside from that, I've got you know, Acon is coming up. I will be at Acon, um, so I'll be running around there. I have uh, a few panels, and I'm sure I'll have autographs at some time. And also, they're giving me a table, so I imagine I will be at that table at some point <laughs> if you don't make it to panels or autographs. So <laughs> you can catch me at Acon in Fort Worth, Texas. Um, and that's in June. Yeah, and that's, so. that's this week. And you can also catch us there, so we'll be there, and we'll probably go bug Michelle. So just look <laughs> forward to that. Yep. Uh, Michelle, this was super fun. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, Thank you. Oh, no problem. Thanks for coming <laughs> on. Now, um, do you know where any of our, like, uh, where can uh, our fans, like, find you social media-wise? Social media wise, I use Twitter the most. Um, and that's going to be at Little Ramyun, and that's little L I T T L E and then Ramyun R A M Y U N. Um and then I do have a Facebook, but I <laughs> I like never use Facebook. Um, but I am on there, I do check it sometime. Feel free to add me. It's just Michelle Rojas. Um I don't know what my short code is. <laughs> but uh you'll be able to see. Uh I'm sure you'll find it. Um and then I do have an Instagram, it's the same as my Twitter, Little Ramyun. Um and YouTube, same thing, Little Ramyun. Nice. And we'll put all of those links in the show notes. So if you want to check any of it out, just pull it up, click on it, it'll launch you right there. Um, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Josh L. Kane. You can find the podcast on Instagram at Animation Station Podcast, on Facebook and Tumblr at Animation Station Podcast. Why we have those, not 100% sure, but we do. Um, you can also find us on Twitter at Animate Podcast. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, basically anywhere that you can download a podcast and on our website, animationstationpodcast.com. Again, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was fun. Oh, no problem. All right, so for the Animation Station Podcast, I'm Josh. And I'm Michelle Rojas. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. Bye.